0: what's going on? This is the Saturday Down South podcast. I am Conor Aguero. Will, first round of the NFL draft is in the books. Uh, Many SEC picks, 12 to be exact, but zero, zero gas mass. So, I don't know.
1: (laughs) So it's not the best draft ever is what you're saying, because that was electric.
0: (laughs) It's not the most memorable (laughs) draft ever. You know, when something like that happens and you get a Laramie Tunzel case it kind of sets the bar too high it's like we talked about with fine bomb and the in the save and blow up pretty much everything after that with SEC media days is always going to feel like a little bit of a letdown because you don't get those those unbelievable moments I found myself wanting that viral moment. We really didn't get it, but that's still okay. Still a lot of stuff to get to, to recap the first round of the NFL draft. We got an excellent show lined up. We really do. Um, I caught up with Fox Sports' Jeff Schwartz, who has a new show out that's called the Big Boys Club. Talked about some of the stud offensive linemen in this year's class, as well as his career playing the NFL at Oregon. Uh, just a heads up. We recorded that on Wednesday. So keep that in mind when he talks about a few of those, those first round guys, he kind of does like a little bit of projecting and whatnot. you're going to hear that and be like, Oh wait, you know, I, th- I thought those guys have already been picked. Obviously they have. Um, so just remember that. And then we're going to end with, uh, Nashville in figuring it out. So the NFL draft, in my opinion, watching the way that it played out book ended with Georgia players this night, wherein Trayvon Walker emerged and became the number one overall pick, this was just a massive night to flex for Kirby Smart. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really was. Think about it. Think about this. You have five Georgia defensive players drafted in the first round. One of them was not in the Kobe Dean somehow, some way we're going to get to that in a little bit, but that's the most ever by the same unit in round one. So pretty incredible. Ten. Their perspective, just like that alone. But the Trayvon Walker part of this, we were talking about this a little bit before we came out we're like, we really haven't talked a lot of Trayvon Walker. Mm-hmm. And I don't really feel that bad about it because yeah, he's an unbelievable physical specimen. The traits, that's what everybody's talking about, it's traits versus production, this argument with him. And if you even listen to some of the draft commentary where David Pollock is like, he just hasn't been able to produce like some of the other guys, which is interesting thing to say about number one overall pick. We're not talking about-
1: Doesn't have a lot of mileage on him, come on. True,
0: true, also true. (laughs) That hasn't taken a lot of, you know what I'm saying? He's got his whole career ahead of him, so. This is positive. And then Mitchell Schwartz, who is the brother of our guest for today's show, uh, Jeff Schwartz, he tweeted out like, you know, the highlights of him are, um, you know, him running down wide receiver, (laughs) the Ajay Hall play. That Mm -hmm. went very viral in the national championship. Um, you have him stopping a pulling guard on a counter and then like tipping a pass the the hurry that he had on bryce young like these are the plays that stand out for trayvon walker the guy who just became the number one overall pick and people are going to throw out all the combine stuff and i I totally get it the fact that he outran 12 receivers at the combine (laughs) is it's insane for a guy of his size like he tested like miles garrett jadavian Clowney, like He did what you would want him to do in that setting. And I I mean, I remember like I was thinking about this because I'm like, you know, I don't get too deep into the mock drafts until, you know, right around the combine, that's when it starts to pick up a little bit. And I start to really kind of dial into this stuff. And I'm like, I wonder what he was in mid-December. I wanna I wanna go back because mid-December is before the playoff, right? Right. He has this this really impressive showing in the college football playoff. He had a game high, seven pressures in the national championship. But go back to mid-December, like the regular season's over. Conference championship weekend is over. Todd McShay had a mocked at 27. I mean, that's that's a that's a wild thing to think about for somebody who's only going to play two more games after that moment to go from that far. I'm not like saying that to hate on McShay because I saw other mock drafts that didn't even have him at all right, in the first yeah. round. That's <laughs> why like, so I was almost generous at the time. I feel, and we're all kind of in agreement, like. He wasn't a top four player on that defense. I feel perfectly fine saying that. Even if he has a great NFL career, which I hope he does. I really hope he does. He wasn't a top four player on that defense. Not in terms of production. He was the third best defensive lineman in that group. By the way, all those guys went in the first round. Jordan Davis went in the first round. Devontae Wyatt went in the first round. Like You saw, obviously, a very talented unit in the fact that Kirby now gets to point out like, all these different things with Trayvon Walker is, is going to be fascinating to me because ESPN Stats and Info had this. Trayvon Walker became the first player picked number one overall in the common draft era, which is since the merger, 1967, to have not made an all-conference or all-America team. That's nuts, man. Like, this is... This is unprecedented. It really is. I, <laughs> yeah, because I mean, like all the guys that are from smaller schools,
1: it's like they tore it up. And <laughs> those they were the best versions right. of the field every time they took the field. Like, yeah, you're right. It's funny because like a lot of you guys listening, it's like I learned a lot about this conference from listening to Connor, and I like kind of texted him. I was like, who? <laughs> like, you know, not when he got drafted, but like in the in the in the lead up to it, we were like, because it was Aiden Hutchins in forever, which obviously was a smoke screen. Good for him. He gets to go to Michigan. That's super cool. Um, but yeah, just overall, it's like. Oh, you talking about... Because like they had several amazing guys at his position. <laughs> and I'm like, yes. you, you mean, you mean the cook? No? Okay.
0: Yes. But th- think about what this means for, for Kirby. Because it, it is unique to be able to say that Trayvon Walker just became a number one overall pick. By the way, Nick Saban, as you pointed out, hasn't had a number one overall pick. So if you're talking about the recruiting battle, whatever, take that for what it is. Oh, that's funny. Is,
1: so now he has that it. That's actually yeah.
0: insane. Yeah. And it's, it's a guy who didn't need all of these reps. He averaged 40 snaps a game in his junior year. Coming into this season, the guy had three and a half sacks. I mean, this is what never started a game coming into his junior season. And then this year he plays, so he he stayed. And even though he could have been a guy who in theory, I'm not saying that there was like talks about this or anything like that, but in theory, former five-star guy who hasn't started a game in his first two years, you kind of add those two things up in this era of the transfer portal and he stayed and he had the, the type of year that he did wherein it was, you know, obviously he played his best ball down the stretch. But think about this, Kirby gets to sell to these future five stars who are thinking about entering the transfer portal like trevor walker stayed man he got paid it didn't matter that he didn't stand out a ton in that defense he really didn't and also the and this is a little bit cliche in some ways but also kind of not like kirby gets to sell you don't even have to be a star in the regular season and have individual accolades and have gaudy stats and you can still have that big of a spotlight because if you're playing for a national championship there are very few programs in college football who can do that you can shine on that stage and look what it can do for you mm-hmm. so like all these different things that kirby can say about you know the, maybe the, the the lesser power five program that's going to try and recruit some of these five-star guys that that's something that nobody really has i actually went back and looked up like think about this too the amount of number one overall picks who uh, still have their current head coach in at that specific school. <laughs> wow. so that's that's that a weird is stat. two parallels. Hold on, hold on. Go, that's go, a weird let me, yeah. let me explain that. Let me explain that. So, like, Kirby is still at Georgia. He's right. got number one overall pick, Trayvon Walker. Mm-hmm. Last year, Trevor Lawrence, number one overall pick. He's coached by Dabo Swing. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. David Shaw, Andrew Luck. David Shaw's still at Stanford. Right. If you all these Oklahoma guys don't count because Lincoln Riley is no longer at Oklahoma. He's oh, at USC. Oh, true. Yep. So like not even Saban has that. And I'm, Alabama fans like, don't, don't worry. I'm not saying that all of a sudden that makes Kirby, right. like Kirby's <laughs> going to win all these battles with Saban. You're not, moving you're not a fraud.
1: Trust me, which you no. does is very impressive.
0: <laughs> no, but, but I think in this modern era of the portal, like what happened tonight is actually legitimately important to getting those guys to stay. Mm-hmm. The Trayvon Walker part of it with, guy who hadn't started. And then also the Devontae Wyatt Jordan Davis part where those are two guys who could have left last year and probably been like day two type guys. And instead they decide that they want to come back and they play. And obviously they end up becoming first round guys, all three of those guys. So like you can kind of be invisible <laughs> for significant chunks of the year and still end up getting this type of opportunity. And I don't think that happens at every school. I, I think it happens at a very select few mm-hmm. And that doesn't, like, even if he turns out to be a bust in the NFL, which, look, I would have preferred, if I'm a Jags fan, Aiden Hutchinson in that spot. Mm-hmm. I would have. I thought it was the safer pick. I'm not one of those people saying that he's just JV Joey Bosa like Marley did. <laughs> um, no, like, look, I, I, and people are going to say, oh, watch the Georgia game. Like, he, you know, he was exposed in that game. He was also getting, like, double and triple teamed in that game. And mm-hmm. they game plan to stop him in that football game. But anyway. And it has something to do with...
1: Speaking of that defense, can we talk about Jordan Davis really quick?
0: Yes, let's, you know what, let's do it. Because I I have some superlatives to give out. We can move on from the Trayvon Walker stuff. He's going to be dissected. If you want to watch the first take and all those different shows, I'm sure they're going to have plenty of takes on that. Um, Really quick, do you remember my one thing I said
1: I wanted for Jordan Davis?
0: To have a great food endorsement.
1: To go to a city with a great food endorsement. And guess what we have now?
0: we have all of the philly cheesesteak ads but here's here's yes. the problem though he's not going to do that stuff because he he needs to to fight this narrative that he's that he's like out of shape. And he
1: no, no, now he's in Philadelphia. They hate everyone that's outside of Philadelphia. He's gotten in the bubble now. He can do whatever he wants in Philadelphia True. because he is their lad. Like he's True. in the, and the people that, that's the thing when you buy into Philadelphia and they're like, a lot of my friends are uh, Eagles fans and everything, it's like, whenever you just are around town and like you're about the team, they don't even really care if you produce. As long as you're a lad and you're a great teammate, you're in. So I feel like that's such a great, fit for him especially yeah. with aj brown coming over it's like you know yeah. you, you, sometimes you hate to, you have to hand it to howie roseman he does some really dumb stuff but you look at this draft and you're like you know okay man
0: that was nuts that that trade <clears throat> uh my brother texted me Terry. he's like did i just hear that aj brown got traded to like to, to the eagles for for like a mid first round pick like, like nothing for went? how good people don't know how good aj brown is anyway it's it's and it's the durability thing and mm-hmm. he just got that um, Adam Schefter reported that he got the four year hundred million dollar deal. So obviously like he was going to get paid. Titans kind of decided, like, all right, we're not gonna pay this guy. We have we have questions about that, and they end up you know, being able to get a first round pick out of it. But so that situation then kind of opens a door for one of the guys we were banging the drum for coming into this draft, Traylon Burks, mm-hmm. who Gets drafted by by the Titans as kind of this immediate AJ Brown replacement as a guy who was being compared to AJ Brown. Dude, how the about process. the
1: guys in the audience with the AJ Brown jerseys, <laughs> the Titans jerseys, plus. and then they start playing it and they start playing Burks highlights next to AJ Brown as a cop. I was like, y'all are going <laughs> through it right now. I hope he turns out like AJ
0: Brown. Wish we had one of those. I know, and I, there's part of me as a as a Traylon Burke supporter who like, look, I, I think. I think he's the best receiver in the draft mm-hmm. i really do and and may, maybe i'm biased because i've watched more of him than other guys admittedly um but I, there there will not be five receivers in this draft better than Traylon burks listen I, I agreed with you until about leave. an hour ago now it's
1: obviously a lot of it. and if you're if you don't think that you're wrong
0: so right <laughs> exactly i look i do worry a little bit about the Traylon burks thing though just because he's going to be compared to aj brown who had a lot of immediate success he was getting compared to dk <clears throat> metcalf in the combine it's like the dude was the sixth receiver off the board, and he might have the toughest comps to live up to. Right, which is the tough thing. Or Olave, if he does end up being a Mike Thomas replacement. But you tell me that that Olave won't have. To Where
1: does the Mike Thomas, Thomas leading narrative come from? I, I don't hear that. Like he's happy, he's bought okay. in, he's just weird and injured. It's really that he's been happy the entire time. He's cool with Carmichael. We kept Roc. Like they're gonna play together. I think. Yeah, he took, he got his extension.
0: Yeah, I mean that—that's all
1: that matters. And yeah, receivers. Receivers are just weird. He's a weirdo, (laughs) but he's loyal as hell. He's tweeting Nipsey Hussle lyrics. He's all about the grind, man.
0: So he didn't tweet out like Lamar Jackson did the no. WTF.
1: Oh, oh, yeah. really quick, really quick. So that was a bad tweet. My favorite tweet so far is Jonathan Jones from the uh, Patriots. It said, ain't none of these boys crying. They got NAL money already. That killed me, bro. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's like the reacted. They're all billionaires. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. Great point. Yeah, or uh, my other favorite tweet of the night was uh, Malik Willis, who didn't go in round one, surprisingly. <laughs> Um, And he tweeted out, NFL Network tweeted out a picture um, and and they said something to the effect of like, like Malik and and his mom are, you know, sharing a moment or something at the NFL draft. And He cold tweets it, he's like, that's my grandma. I've been in that situation as a social
1: media manager, and you try to be nice, and it's like it backfires. And you're like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> you
0: can't do that in that moment. You got to be 100% sure. Like, I've made that mistake uh, on, a, on a handful of occasions. Um, you could say I kind of stepped in it. If you listen to the end of the the, the Jeff Schwartz interview, um, people listening to this will be like, oh, Connor, you kind of stepped in that one. You shouldn't have asked that question. But, You'll see what I mean. Not as big of a mistake as probably what NFL Network did, but Malik was Malik was able to have fun with it. Um, I have a couple superlatives here. Favorite landing spot for an SEC player, already did, Jordan Davis was one of them. The other that I really liked was Kyir Elam, the Florida corner, mm-hmm. who now gets to go to a situation in Buffalo where he gets to play opposite of Tredavious White, assuming he's going to come back, be healthy. I, I actually mocked that. I think that was the only pick in our entire mock draft that I got right, <laughs> which is hey. impossible because I had the number one pick and I still got it wrong because I had Aiden <laughs> touch You three. go, King. At least you got, was it 23? Hey, that's uh,
1: 25, 25. 25, yeah, it's something, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, I'll take it. You know what? That's that's perfectly fine. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited for Kyrie alum to get to play in a defensive backfield where he's not like the top corner and teams just avoid him. will actually now like kind of kind of pick on him and you'll kind of get to see some of those ball skills um most bizarre pick cole strange i mean it says another name the chattanooga (laughs) guard Uh, buddy Uh, it's the patriots so like they can do that like patriots ravens Steelers, they can all get away with random picks like that you're just kind of like oh they
1: said this boy was a 10 time dean's list academic all-american i was like he had five years of eligibility He made the dean's list every he is the most I'm, Patriots player I've ever seen in my life.
0: I'll say I'll say this. If you're gonna go to, to Chattanooga, which you know what <clears> they <throat> gave Kentucky a good run for their money. They really did. Um, shout out to the mocks. If you're gonna go to Chattanooga to get a guy in the first round who everybody had graded as like a third round guy, he should probably at least be a tackle. He's not yes. even he's not even a tackle. Come on, man. Like, AK, I know. you know. I mean, okay yeah, now. Whatever. Patri- watch him. He's going to make like 10 Pro Bowls or whatever, and we'll look back on this. Um, Chattanooga, though, had more players drafted than the entire Big 12 combined Oof. in the first round. Again, for the second consecutive year. Tough look.
1: Well, the hey. Really tough look. Cincinnati, though. They're coming. they ain't backing down. So.
0: Um, <laughs> Sauce Gardner's chain was maybe the highlight of, of night one. Did you see that chain? Mm -hmm. He's got, it says sauce. I I don't know if it's two separate chains, but he has the chain with a bottle of, of sauce, like the hot sauce. I tweeted it out. It's, it's unbelievable. I mean, I kind of wish that guy had played for a higher, higher profile program just so that we could have been talking about sauce before 2021. And those who like, follow it really closely probably work. But yeah, the Jets had like an oddly great draft. It was strange yeah, seeing everything like jets
1: Upsetting the whole balance of everything. Relax.
0: Okay. They get Garrett Wilson, they get Jermaine Johnson. Oh, another weird flex for Kirby. Although maybe maybe that's not a flex that that Jermaine Johnson left, became ACC defensive player of the year and actually kinda slid a little bit, so he slid like, you know, far enough behind, you know I, I guess he didn't fall behind like you know, a bunch of guys. and It wasn't exactly like the Jameson Williams situation where he went just behind uh, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. So you're like, oh, I guess it makes sense. That's why he was the third best guy.
1: Um, well, you do like but a, a little segment bit on here where it's just like recruiting pitches where we turn any piece of bad news into like recruiting pitches. Hey, if you start your career here, no matter what, you're going to the first round. <laughs> Doesn't matter yeah. if you stay, if you leave, you transfer.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of strange to see uh, a situation like that where we're seeing a lot more guys in the portal who can go to other <clears> places and 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 have this like massive Oh, hey, that's all they needed was their their one opportunity to be able to kind of have that that big pre-draft season um, What else did I have here? Uh, the I had for most surprising SEC non first-rounder It's gotta be Kobe Dean I look Short arms I don't care. I don't care. Give, give me that guy in the middle of my defense. I, I, feel, I feel like we in the college crowd are having to, to like shout it from the mountaintops to the NFL draft folk about how great Nicobe Dean is. And there's going to be a moment with whatever team drafts him. Again, we recorded this right after the end of the first round. So we don't know that officially yet. If you're listening to this over the weekend or something, you already know that. But I feel like there's going to be a moment in like week five or week six of this NFL season, where N'Kobe Dean's going to do something ridiculous. And then the NFL crowd is going to like try and claim him (laughs) and be like, Oh, see, Nicole, this is why N'Kobe Dean, you know, you know, should have come off the board quicker. And we're like, What 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 were we saying? What what have we been doing here this entire time? Georgia having five defensive players drafted in the first round and Kobe Dean not being one of them just feels wrong. It just does I'm sorry that guy is unbelievable. And I don't look I, I don't get into all the NFL draft stuff in the way that that a lot of other people do And I'm sure a lot of people will tell me I'm wrong with that Sorry, I just think that he's he's a difference maker and not picking him in the first round. It's just a a head-scratching decision. Even though I do like Devin Lloyd, the Utah linebacker, it was kind of like it was either gonna be Dean or Lloyd was gonna come off the board and Lloyd ended up being that guy. So take that for what it is. Uh, Once again, SEC wins the first round draft title. 12 SEC players taken. Not a record setting year. It wasn't exactly shades of 2020, but still the SEC is going to win the draft title for most players picked. Uh they set their own they broke their own record last year. It was sixty-five. Yeah, they're they're well on their way to being able to do just that. It's kind of crazy. Like the SEC will probably have three teams. Um, Bama, Georgia, and AM. AM's gonna have a lot of guys come off the board, had Kenyon Green come off in round one, but they're gonna have those three teams will probably outnumber at least two power five conferences. They'll get the SEC like halfway there. They'll have like 32 or 33 guys or something like that drafted, and that'll be halfway to getting to 66, whatever that number is, to be able to, to break their own record. So basically, it's, it's just kind
1: game. of better than everyone at everything, man. Once again, I mean, <laughs> another another accomplishment. We'd love to see it.
0: Yeah, uh, nobody told Danny Connell. Uh, he is- he's, he's sitting there looking at some type
1: of like documents like Zapruder tape. But actually, if you look, the Vikings didn't get their picket. You gotta revoke that. <laughs> it's just like, okay, guys. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it was a, it was a rough first round for the the non-SEC crowd. Um, but yeah, round one is in the books. We're gonna recap the rest of the um, the rest of the draft on the pod that comes out on Tuesday. So we will have more draft coverage as well. All right, let's kick into Jeff Schwartz. Like I said, we talked all about the big boys club, really awesome show on Fox that he got to be a part of. Jeff always nails it when it comes to offensive line and a lot of other things as well, just all things football. So we talked a lot about that and a bunch of other things, including his thoughts on Dan Lanning and Bo Nix at Oregon. Here is Jeff Schwartz. I'm now excited to be joined by a very special guest. It is Jeff Schwartz. Jeff, you're involved in a bunch of different things now. You've got a, a SiriusXM NFL show. You've got a SiriusXM Pac-12 show. You've got the, the Fox Sports gig. Uh, you've also got this this new show out uh, that by the time that this drops on Friday, it'll it'll already be out. It is the Big Boys Club Offensive Line Draft Academy. Uh, be honest with me, you were just looking for an excuse to go hang out with some offensive linemen for a few weeks. And Fox was like, I'm, I'm all right, right yeah. th- that's fine.
2: <laughs> yeah, I just I just wanted to eat all the food. That's what I want. I want to <laughs> eat all the food and hang out. And they did it for me. And it was uh, it was fantastic. Uh, we had a great time doing this as usual. It's actually it's less days than you think. Um, and um, it's uh, it, it's it, it's so much fun. And then, you know, when the show comes out, just feels so rewarding afterwards. It's fantastic.
0: I watched the episode and it's awesome stuff. It really is. I want to get into some things that you learned about, you know, guys like Evan Neal and Charles Cross, Darren Kennard, these offensive linemen that you worked with, but your first line in the show is you saying that you've had coaches who would moo at you as you ran by. Yes. You say this as you're rocking this sick Oregon Ducks quarter zip oh, to rep the alma mater. Like That logo is, I mean, it's all time. They should definitely like, roll with that. It is <laughs> fantastic. Yes. Um, I know you only had one year where Chip Kelly was was on staff while you were there, and he was the OC, but please tell me that it was Chip Kelly who used to moo at you.
2: It was not. This was uh, NFL. It was NFL coach. It was NFL. I think right. I don't remember who. I don't remember who did it. Um, but uh, yeah, I've had I've had coaches moo at us um, as we walk by. Um, you know, uh, or maybe called called elephants sometimes. So we're just kind of like parading because you know elephants will kind of go like in a parade. You know, like in a circus, and we kind of just parade down uh, by ourselves. So um, yeah, we get called a bunch of different names. Most of them are are endearing in the end. Um, <laughs> But a lot of them just are just people being, you know, just means the wrong word because we're offensive linemen. I we're weird. Like it doesn't. We don't care if people make fun of us. Um, it's just fun to start the show with like that. Look, I very quickly on the show, um, you know, what makes it a lot of fun is there's kind of different episodes for different folks, right? So we have the main show that we put out that is you know kind of centered around. You know, how they train, which with with Duke, what Duke's uh, uh, mythology is and, and his methods, and then you know kind of some of their backstories. Right, we heard Darren Cunard, his story, Evan Neal, and Cross, and all those guys. And then we have on separately individual episodes for each player, so you get to see. And I sit down with those guys, we talk a little bit, we watch film, so you can kind of have the this the hardcore like film junkie stuff, and it's also just kind of like the stories, and you feel really, um, you know. I think it's easier to root for a player when you know their backstory, especially with a lot of these players you hear like Derek Kennard, what he, him, his mom went through and whatnot. So you feel more attached to the player by watching the main show. And then really you get the football fix from watching the little eight to 10 minute individual episodes we have on each guy. So there's a lot for, uh, for for people to consume this, not just the main show.
0: I've been in some of these pre-draft workout uh, situations. I spent a day at IMG a few years ago, but yeah. never I've never been to one that was strictly for offensive linemen. And, I was amazed to see that you guys were even doing like slow-mo film breakdowns of the first 10 yards of the 40. I mean, they say like the 10-yard splits are really important for, for offensive linemen, the explosion, all those different things. But is there an offensive lineman that you've kind of seen in this class or another who just kind of blew you away with that? And like you, you sat down and watched it. You're like, oh, my God, that's that's yeah. different. That stands
2: out. So, you know, so that all that all that is really done by, you know, here's a, I just kind of like show up. Right. I just <laughs> shoot in, see what they're doing, talk to these guys. Of course, I've watched a film we prepared. But, you know, what what Duke does and what and what Les does there, the speed coach at Sports Academy um, is special. It's really and this is why I think just generally speaking, we look at the combine numbers and this year was incredible. The guys ran so much faster. And it's and then you watch the show and you see them talking about the foot angle on your second stroke, your second foot strike, right? And his shin angle and where your knees at and your It's so precise now that I feel like the numbers are just not as important. Like, okay, a guy runs a four, nine, maybe it was a five, one a couple of years ago, but can he block someone, right? Like, yeah, he spent all this time running a 40, preparing for it. But in the end, like, can, can someone block someone? And so I think when you look at the guys that we have, you know, Trevor Penning, for example, had Charles Cross, great combine numbers fantastic but they can also block people it's kind of important um and so i think i think for those guys i was very impressed with like trevor penning man for his size and his ability to explode out of his stance especially and that's what we measure for offensive linemen duke talked about it in the show the five to ten yards right the first five to ten yards is kind of that burst and you find you know our position is about you fire off the ball the last 20 to 40 yards i mean that's not really what our job is i mean it's nice if guys can run fast but the first 10 or 20 yards is supremely important. To, uh, to, to, to the testing, to me, Trevor Penning was one of those guys that really – I just didn't expect it, and it was really good.
0: I don't know how many people listening to this podcast know Trevor Penning and like a know his story at Northern Iowa, and he kind of talked about it on the show and how he didn't get offers from Iowa or Iowa yeah. State. And seeing the pictures of him as a recruit, I was ready to be on board with him and be like, oh, small town guy who was like overlooked. And then you see the pictures of him as a recruit where he's wearing the kicker jersey. And you're just oh, like, yeah. oh, I, I see why this guy didn't get offered by Iowa. Did he kind of like, it, it sounds like he really made a lasting impression on you because to have the work ethic to gain that kind of weight and have that kind of discipline, like that kind of says something about you if you're yeah. willing to put yourself through that.
2: It, it does. And I, and I really, you know, I'm, it's, it's impressive that uh, he's able to do that. But to me, you know, it's it's really hard to teach um desire and attitude and want to. And the ability for for penning to want to be great and then obviously play that way on the field, you, you can always tone that down. You can tell him, hey man, we just can't have so many penalties. There's a lot of penalties. Like just it's just not not so physical, right? You can turn that down. Turning it up is nearly impossible. So I like his attitude, I like his mindset, and I like the underdog. And the question now becomes obviously as a first round draft pick, you know, you, you, you have to keep that going, right? Cause now you've made it, you're going to get millions of dollars. You never thought you'd have even two years ago. And now it's about honing the mental state and being able to perform at your best level, knowing you have kind of that security, which you, which you haven't had for for years now.
0: I, I want to uh, preface this again by saying this is, this is going to be out on Friday after the first round wraps right. up. So as of this recording, we don't know specifically like where these guys will end up, but Darian Kennard seems like a guy who, like, we're going to look up nine years from now, and he's going to be a franchise player for the team who drafted him. He's, for those who have kind of seen him, the Kentucky offensive lineman, for those who have seen him over the last few years, he's a really captivating guy. Even as you're kind of watching him in this, he just seems so rock solid, even though he had this, this rough upbringing, like you talked about, single mom, abusive father. What did you learn about him? And what do you think his NFL potential is?
2: So you know, Canard's story is is one of the better ones, right? I mean, it's not it's not a good story. I mean, it, you know, his upbringing wasn't great, but I think the story is obviously how him and his mom were able to overcome their upbringing and both be very successful in what they do. You mentioned his mom is working on her second master's degree, I think, right? And obviously, what Kennard was able to do. And you know, I think with when you look at him and the way he the style he plays with again, it's a lot of aggression, but it's a lot of just very physical hand striking, uh, very good with his feet. He's going to be a guard in the NFL, in my opinion um and you know his ability to move and kind of can play confined spaces and his his smarts his intelligence are really going to help him and then of course you know, that drive and he kind of is a very quiet guy it's interesting he came off on the show was very goofy which i didn't get that impression when i mm. was with him uh he's very quiet when the camera's not around but he kind of turns that intensity on and so you know i think when you have you know when, when you grow up the way he did um And you're always kind of fighting for everything. It kind of makes you a good offensive lineman, right? Like You just have to fight at that position. You're always fighting for something. And I'm really excited to see his pro career. I think he will play in the NFL for a long time.
0: To to play a position like that, you talk about that. You need to have that kind of fight. I always think to to do that, you have to just have this, this level where you're sort of driven to the brink of craziness, but not quite. And with certain guys like Darian, like, you know, their story it kind of makes sense. You're like, all right, you, you understand where he gets his aggression from. What was the thing that brought that out with you? Because you were three, you're like a stud three sport athlete, grew up in Southern California, yeah. yet you clearly found some way to be pissed off when it matters.
2: Yeah, um, it's a good question, because it, it did take me multiple times to figure this out. Because as you mentioned, I, I, I grew up a great family. Um, you know, we had money, we had everything I ever needed. There was never a, a thing we couldn't do we went in family, I mean, you, you get up me. my parents are very successful um, in, in their careers. And um, I had to learn it like th- th- three different times really in my career. So in high school, I had a coach who had played football in Nebraska and he was really good. He was actually a very, going to be a, a pro prospect on a bar fight, got hit with a bottle over his head and never played again. So uh, but he saw the potential in me. He rode my ass, man. That sounds dirty, but um, at practice, like he just, he nonstop, like 24 seven, just yelling at me. Like, just like he knew that he kind of had to, to get me to be more physical, like to want to, to be, as I didn't grow up as a physical kid I didn't fight at all. I was never really, and part of it, my dad always mentions that he thinks that he kind of tamped down my aggressiveness. Cause he always told me that hey, you're bigger than everyone else. You know, you just can't be so violent. You can't be so angry. And so I remember, so so coach got it out of me. like, in, is, And I kind of figured it out a little bit in high school, right? Okay, you have to be aggressive. That's how you do it. And then in college, I kind of had that, you know, after I, I got hurt my junior year, didn't play terribly great that season. And kind of that offseason, I felt healthier. And I realized, like, I just got to do more. I got to run down the field. I got to make some plays. I have to show some highlight plays. And the highlight plays for offensive alignment is just finishing guys, right? It's just moving a guy from point A to point B against their will. And then in the NFL, my my agent was like, "Dude, if you want to make it, like, you better start dumping dudes on the field. Like, you better you better pick it up a little bit." And so I just did. I just mentally got to a place where I could do that. And this is why the NFL locker room is so interesting before a game. Because I don't know if you've ever been in a locker room before any any football game at a college or pro level, but you know, everyone has their own way they get to the place they have to be at. Because you know, for three hours, again, I'm not a violent guy. I've never been in a street fight. I've never. You know, thrown punches anywhere outside of a football field. I've definitely been in football fights, um, and I'm. A, no one would ever think like, "Oh man, this guy played for eight years. Yeah, he just was just, he's such a mean person." And you have to get you have to get there somehow uh, before a game. And so you know, a locker room is so interesting because you have guys that do it with music, do it with prayer, do it with just quiet reflection, do it with a little calmness. Some guys are just you know, nut jobs in the locker room, just smell the smell of salt and get all fired up and. Everyone does it differently because you have to get to that place. And, again, to your point, I, didn't, I don't – you know, Derrick Kennard talks about, you know, just being an angry kid, right, based off his, his upbringing. Like, that carries over to the football field. Um, I just I didn't have that, and um, I, I had to manufacture that. And that's why I'm not worried about Trevor Penning or Kennard or some of these guys we had in the film because they don't have to manufacture that. that that's, that's who they are.
0: You still found a way, though, to be in this role where you kind of become this this spokesman for, for offensive linemen. And it's something that you're obviously you're really passionate about and being able to kind of pass down to to, to the, the next this next wave of offensive linemen. I, I am going to say, though, I need to push back on the name Big Boys Club because I've seen Evan Neal at the podium and from the waist up that my friend is not a big boy at all. Uh, he looks so skinny from the waist up. And the funny thing is, is like you watch this You watch it and you're like, oh, he's 11 pounds, 22 inches as a baby, six, seven and a half, 337 pounds of the combine. Like he lost, 15 pounds and the weight is considered like a concern dude was pushing 378 pounds in eighth grade. And if you go back and watch some of these clips, it's just insane. I mean, what he's had to do probably just to maintain that, like playing three different positions. Is there anybody that that Evan Neal kind of reminds you of because he seems super unique to have that sort of that sort of physical makeup?
2: Uh, I, I like draft season. Like everything about it, the thing I hate is comps. I despise comps. I I, I talked to Brandon Thorn, who um, is one of the better offensive line evaluators, and he has to do comps. So we talk about this all the time. I'm like, dude, I don't know how you do that. I hate comps. I have no idea. I don't have an answer for you. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, like, he he is who he is, right? He, he's a. Smooth pass protector. He's got really strong, heavy hands. In the run game, he's very patient. Um, and I noticed about his game, too. Like just everything about it, kind of the way he takes his pass sets and the way he run blocks, it's very patient. Not a lot of wasted movement, not a lot of rushing. Um, obviously, we, we know he's very powerful. Um, I, don't, I don't know who that comp is. I, there's, I know I'm disappointing you, but like, there's just not, I, I don't like play this comp game. I have no idea. He's just Evan Neal. It's who he is.
0: Okay, let me ask this question Play three different positions in college. Yeah. Where do you think I, his future I, is in the NFL?
2: Oh, he's a tackle. He's a right yeah. tackle or left tackle. I think, obviously, we know we need to have two of those guys who are really good. And so, I, you know, the Giants at five, if, I think they would, they would jump over the moon if they could get uh, Evan Neal here and put him at right tackle or left tackle, depending on where they view Andrew Thomas. Um, so, yeah, he's a tackle to me. He's not a guard. I, th- I think Icky Aquanu, the uh, you know the lineman from um, NC State, who you know, could be the first guy taking his, his offensive line, he feels more in the mold of a guard than does – I don't see Evan Neal playing guard.
0: Charles Cross is another one of those guys who just doesn't look like he weighs as much as he does, which is a testament to like, Kind of, you know, the way that that some of these guys are, are built, kind of right. in that modern mold. I, I've sort of, I've kind of uh, shared my skepticism with him in the system. Guy who played in such a unique pass-heavy offense, he, he didn't see these loaded fronts the way that a lot of other guys do. Do the thing where you tell me that I'm an idiot because obviously you know way more about offensive line play than I do, and why his skill set will be able to translate to the next level.
2: So. I also share the worry about the offense he played in. Like that, that does worry me. Um, and it, it's been a wor- it's worried me for a while now because the air rate offense, um, if you look at the, the, the high draft picks, they just don't translate well. They really don't just ever really translate well. I look at you know, Austin Jackson, Andre Dillard, last couple of years, USC, Washington State, anything really to the Washington State guys, a little bit of concern. Different with Charles. Uh, and again, I still have that concern with Charles, but I, I'm going to make the case of why I don't have as much w- with him as other guys. He wasn't recruited to play in this offense, right? He was recruited to play in Joe Moorhead's offense, um, and he's just physically gifted compared to those other players. Like his arm length, his 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 quickness, his, his the way he uses his hips, um, and just his balance. He's has a he's the best balance of any tackle uh, in this draft. Like his ability to this place where he gets his hands knocked down but he doesn't, kind of, he doesn't fall forward, right? His hands get knocked down. He's able to replace them because he's, he's upright, got a very strong core. He's where he's supposed to be. And so he, I'm not, I, you know, there's going to be a transition period for him because you know, I went on to put his Alabama game. I'm like, you know what? I want to see him versus Will Anderson. Let's see it. And like, they just drop eight in coverage every play, right? Because yeah. that's how you play that defense. I mean, that's how you play that offense. And so there's going to be a learning curve. Just, get, you, know, every, you know, 30 reps in a game of one-on-one against the defensive end, 25 reps of, of run blocking, which you did do in the NFL. But you see when he has limited run reps that he's really good with his hips. He's good with his hands. He's very powerful. And so I think he's, his physical traits are just different than other air raid guys. Because again, he wasn't recruited to play in that offense. Yeah.
0: Uh, all of these guys get to hear their names uh, called over the weekend. You were 11 picks away from being Mr. Yes. Irrelevant back in 2008. Tell me a story from your draft day.
2: Um, oh, man. So um, you know, I, was, I was anywhere from like the 10th, to 15th best tackle like 11 to 15 sort of around there i mean be naive if people are they'd be liars really if they tell you they don't look at where they're graded right and so 2008 it was the first two rounds were day one and two and then the last five were days were day two and um 10 offensive tackles went in the first two rounds so i was like sweet i must be coming up soon heck yeah so, um, I, you know, grew up in Los Angeles. I'm at my parents' house. At so 6 a.m., I wake up and I watch the draft. You know, you never watch the draft. So third round goes by, fourth round goes – like, phone's not even ringing. Fifth round, I start getting some calls. Um, you know, uh, you were thinking about drafting you. Nothing happens. Sixth round, nothing happens. And by the seventh round, I'm over this. Like, I'm just like, screw this draft. I'm not – you know, whatever. And um, – in the seventh round, too, your agent starts working on undrafted free agent deals. So you can choose kind of where you go at that point. And they offer you a signing bonus. You go somewhere. So I actually had a deal in place to go to the Giants. Um, and then the Panthers called me and um, it was Brandon Bean, who's now the general manager for the Bills. He was like the, um, you know, he was, he was in the front office at that point, but kind of at the lower rung, kind of the guy that calls everyone, right? He was like player personnel guy or something like that. So he calls me and he's like, hey, um, you know, Brandon Bean, Carolina Panthers. Um, uh, how do you feel about being drafted? I think that's – he said that to me or John Fox, one of the two. Or whoever – it wasn't – maybe that wasn't Bean. And I said – "It said exact words. I said, at this point, I don't even care. <laughs> I just was so over it. And he's like, well, congratulations, you've been drafted. And I was – of course, I was, like, beyond thrilled. But, yeah, man, like, I just – I um, – it was it was a long, long, long day. At 6 a.m., I got drafted by, like, probably – Oh, three or four in the afternoon. I mean, you know, it's five. It's, you know, every, the, the, the clock was longer back then. Right. They yeah. used to give more time for the picks. And I woke up and you know, the start of the third round and I get drafted pick two fifty two. So it was a long day.
0: Did you have like the draft party? Like your parents were yeah, there. So we
2: had, we, well, so we had, a, we had a party at this Mexican restaurant up the street and it was kind of like informal, like, Hey, and then we actually called it off. And then like, we went to go eat dinner and people just showed up. Oh, God. The way it called it off, yeah. And the opposite story is my brother, who got drafted 37th overall, I believe. Um, And so we're watching. This is now when the draft was back to, I think the format is now, right? Round one. uh, Yeah, it was round one, and then it was round, you know, then it was uh, two rounds, then three, and four rounds. And so we thought he would be like middle of day two, like not middle of the second round, 55. Like we thought the Falcons liked him at 55, I remember. So the Browns called him um and they said hey you're being drafted pick 37 so like the fifth pick of the second round and i remember like afterwards we're like oh uh, all right well i guess we'll like go to dinner now because he had a party the next day because we assumed he'd be drafted that so we had like the next day it was like okay we guarantee he's going to be drafted and so we just like turned the draft off and went to dinner and that was it like we were like the same opposite as me and and they had went to commercial break too so like the pick before him it was like okay we'll go to commercial break and then we had to wait like three minutes and then, of course, they called. We know he's being drafted. But then they announce it, and we're like, we're like, okay, well, and and this is like before real social media, it's like there wasn't like you put out a big tweet or like a big. It was just like, all right, cool, like let's just go to dinner now.
0: Were <laughs> you doing the thing where you were like, hey, like you know, they might be telling you you're going to this round, but you're like, no, the no, guy. no,
2: no. When they call, when it was like, a, you can tell the difference between like a coach is fishing, and this was like it was you know Ray Farmer, whoever the general manager was. Yeah. Like it was it was legit, like he was going. To, to the, and we didn't, the Browns were like not on the radar at all. We, we had, when the number popped up from Cleveland, I mean, he was shocked.
0: Uh, I want to, I want to get you a, out of here on a few, a few questions yeah. about, about your career. Um, let's, let's start with college here. Um, yeah. The going back to, to 2007, yeah, 2007, when yeah. you're, when you're at Oregon, and obviously that season was absolutely nuts, but yeah. the, the way that your career kind of played out and get to that point where you're kind of this classic like guy who just kind of works his way up and whatnot. How did you end up at Oregon and not at USC?
2: Well, um, so USC was right in the middle of Pete Carroll dynasty era and I just wasn't good enough for them. Um, so there was um, that was 2004, right? And so they had, uh, they had two scholarships for offensive linemen because they had a bunch of guys that were red And so hmm. they were actually the most honest team of them all. Ed Orgeron was the lead recruiter for me. And he would call me every Monday at seven o'clock on the dot. Like you, on the dot. Um, and it was told me, like, look, we have two spots. One guy committed already. The other guy we're waiting for is Jeff Byers, who was the Colorado player of the year. Like, he was the number one offensive recruit in of the country. I think he was a center. And they said, like, hey, look, like if he says no, you're next up. They didn't even offer me. Like, I went to I didn't official visit there, but I went to like a bunch of games, unofficial visit. Like, I knew the staff and everything. And then, you know, one Monday, you know, they were like, Hey, sorry, Jeff Byers committed. I was like, okay, cool. That was it. And um, the question is why I'm not in UCLA because my mm. parents are Bruno alums and I went to every game as a kid. Uh, and they just – they screwed up recruiting. They were they're very bad at it. Um, <laughs> and so I ended up in Oregon. I loved Oregon. I, I have no regrets. of I'm in Portland right now actually um, just randomly. But um, I, I loved Oregon. I, I have no regrets going to Oregon.
0: And it was wrong. Like if, if that offer had been on the table though, like was, was – is he as good of a recruiter as everybody USC,
2: well. well. Yeah, I, I would, as much as I hated USC and I still hate USC, I would have committed there because they were winning, like they were winning yeah. and putting everyone in the NFL. And that would have been, I would have, my first year would have been a championship, would have been oh four, 4 and then oh five 5 was the Texas game. So I would have been, you know, I would have played, I would have won a championship my first year there and the second year I would have played, you know, would have been part of the best game of all time. Um, that's why you went to USC
0: is it frustrating to now look at the PAC 12 and, and think, Oh man, like everybody associates the PAC 12 and it's like return to relevance with whether or not USC is going to be able to get going with Lincoln Riley. Uh, like as an Oregon guy, is that like a, a tough mean, pill to swallow?
2: You mean how a four and eight team had their spring game on ESPN? Is that, that, that that's what I mean. The, the last game USC played, they, they gave up 62 points to UCLA. Um, oh, I, I don't know, oh, man. I, I think that, um, it's, it's USC needs to be good for the Pac-12 to, get, to be relevant. I mean, it just yeah. has to be. Even though Oregon's been to two title games, right, in the last you know, 12 years or so, and we've been to playoff and USC hasn't and all that stuff. Um, I, I'm a little skeptical at how good USC will be with Lincoln Riley. Like, I think people expect championships. I, I just – look, the, thing, the reason why there's a gap in the Pac-12 and everyone else is recruiting, right? And it's not just recruiting quarterbacks. It's, it's offensive-defense alignment. That's what it is. It's not quarterbacks. We have plenty of quarterbacks. We should have Justin Herbert drafted six overall. Caleb Williams It's going to be a, a, the top four pick in two years. It's offensive, defensive linemen. There's just not a lot of them there, and you have to hit on those guys. And you working know, with Mario Cristobal has done that, and obviously we have Dan Lanning now. And I just don't think Lincoln Riley is there right now. USC has a lot of work to do on the offensive, defensive lines. And that's a, that's a multi-year rebuild. You're not getting those guys in the portal. And right now, they, 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 that's, gonna, that's what's going to hold them back. I mean, you watch their spring game. Everything checked off. Caleb Williams, good. Offense, good. Defense, the defense started with a 17 nothing lead, I think, just the way they were scoring it, or 21 nothing lead. And it was like 35-21 in like the middle of the second quarter. Like the the defense, it's the same thing that happened in Oklahoma. And um, so he's just gonna have to get those defensive players that he was not able to get Oklahoma. Um, and you know, right now Oregon has those guys. I'm not sure they're gonna keep them but like offensively Oregon is not there as good as USC is right now, but we got the defensive coach. And, and so we'll see what happens. I, I am. NIL has changed a lot of things. Um, it hasn't. It hasn't. The good guys are still recruiting the good. Uh, but you know, if USC can, can get a couple more players and Oregon can pull a few players, it, it makes it more relevant out West when USC is, is really good. Are you all in with Dan Lanning and, and yeah, I like, yeah, I like, I like Dan Lanning. Um, you know, there's a little trepidation just offensively. We have a really young OC, and I'm curious to see, you know, how, they, how he does in year one, but the team is really good. I mean, you know, if Bo Nix plays – oh, geez, he's played two, three years already. I, I'm very conservative when it comes to quarterback estimations. Like, if you've had three years of just being Bo Nix, it's hard to imagine year four is not Bo Nix. Yeah. Um, you know, I watched a spring game, and, like, I was thinking to myself, man, Bo looks good, and then immediately interception double coverage. Like, like the next throw – I was like, I guess that's the experience of Bo (laughs) Nix. Yep. (laughs) But I mean, if Bo Nix plays, if he doesn't lose the game, put it like that, okay, Oregon could be a playoff team. Could. Like, they're the best. They'd be the best. They they win the Pac-12 Conference. They'll beat Utah if they have a decent quarterback. And they lose to Georgia Week One. I imagine I don't think they beat Georgia. They, you know that obviously hurts them. But you, can, you know, okay, maybe i will put eleven and two if Bo Nix is good. But I, they're probably a nine win team though. Like I'm not banking on that being like a thing that Oregon is. I would think they're nine and four. That's my take on what Oregon will be this year. But next year, uh, ten or eleven wins should happen. I'm not one of these guys that like. I'm not one of these guys that thinks the only successful season is a playoff berth. Like Dan Lanning's first year, nine and four will be great be awesome year two. Yeah. I went on 111 wins. USC go for four wins to eight wins, nine wins. It's a great first year for Lincoln Riley. I like that. You're
0: conservative about it. I, I was, I was going to ask you if you were going to be calling your shot for week one saying no, that it's going to be
2: Georgia. I, uh, no, I just, um, again, the Bo next thing that terrifies me, like I said, <laughs> he looked really good. Then through this terrible reception. You can't have those like that. that that's what kills your team, right? It says it's, those, it's it's the bad, like like Spencer Bennett, right? He won a championship by just not screwing up. Of course, the defense is really, really good. And the other guy, but like, there's a quality to just not screwing it up at quarterback. And yeah. I'm worried about Bo Nix just screwing it up for good.
0: Yeah, you're uh, you're in for uh, quite the year, or maybe two years, given the way that eligibility works. That's and that's that and
2: that's what has told me. And I, I'm looking forward to watching Bo. I mean, I think he again, he, good spring game. He's going to win the job. Um, But man, like, if he again, if he if he's If he's good, the way Oregon's schedule sets up, you know they could. It'd be hard to win eleven games in a row. I mean, I think that like you know ten and eleven and two is realistic. If Bo is good, I think if he's just what he is, they're they're nine and four, which is fine. I'm fine with that.
0: That's fair. Uh, I want to get you out of here with some rapid fire. Just five questions. First thing that comes to mind. Does that work for you? Yeah. Uh, First one. Toughest person you've ever had to block was who? Uh,
2: Julius Peppers.
0: Oh God! Yeah. No. Okay. That's that's easy. Um, you used to squat north of five hundred pounds, and I believe you're a member of Squat Twitter. Um, should guys be squatting at the combine instead of benching?
2: Um, what is Squat Twitter, by the way?
0: It's basically people who call out bad videos of squatting, and will like kind of oh, well, let them
2: know. Well, I, I certainly will tell people that. Like, I just I think that. People posting bad workout videos is not appropriate. Like I'm just like, yeah. why are we promoting bad stuff? Um, so I would say, um, uh, ooh, the problem with that though, at the calm line, is like guys would just get hurt. I feel like, like it, it, it's not worth it. But yes, a squat test would be much better than a bench press, in my opinion. But they get hurt doing bench too because they get like the they get the pec injuries and stuff like it, it's, that. It, it's it it's 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 silly to me sometimes. Yeah, I, I really think like it's it's just a lot.
0: Uh, I'm pro pedicure once a year. It's a must oh, yeah. foot massage. Like they, they take they're, dead yeah, skin off. You guys pro. did that in the show. And oh, I yeah, think a lot of yeah. guys were getting their, their first very experience. Pro,
2: pro pedicure. Yes.
0: Yeah. Uh, tell, tell our listeners why, why pedicures need a rebranding.
2: Uh, they don't need rebranding. They just dudes have to realize like, you can still be a tough guy and get your feet cleaned up every now and then. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I'm well with, like, yeah. That's what I'll yeah. uh,
0: My buddy Candler was a, he was a walk-on defense lineman at, at Georgia and he had to gain over hundred pounds to to be able to play in the trenches there. He's yeah. got an unbelievable story. He, he ate 16, 16,000 calories a day at one yeah. point to put on that weight. What was your highest daily caloric intake oh. to gain or maintain weight?
2: I don't know, but I was, I was fat my sophomore year, man. I don't know. I ate a lot of food. <laughs> I never, we didn't have like this is 2005. We didn't have a nutritionist. Say yeah. whatever you wanted. I don't know. A lot of food. I ate a lot. <laughs> obsessive amount of food, not 16,000 calories though.
0: All right, last one. Um, you've gotten this question before. Why G off instead of Jeff?
2: What do you mean? Why, why did my parents name me Jeff with a G? <laughs> um, so in, in a, you're going gonna to think this answer is, uh, you might feel stupid after asking this, but I'll tell you the <laughs> answer. Um, so in Judaism, you name your children with the initial of uh, a dead relative. Oh, so God. yeah, see, see I now, feel super now, super <laughs> I'm super asking this question, right? So my, my uh, grandfather um, had passed away before I was born. My mom's dad, his name was Gerald. So Jeff with a G that's how it works. So like my kid is Norman. My son's Norman. His grandfather was also Norman. We decided to keep Norman. And then my, my daughter's Hebrew name um, is after both of my grandmothers who passed away. So it's really more the Hebrew name, but like, yeah. So yeah, that's, I, I, I know it's like a, it's a, it's a good answer, but like it makes the questioner feel stupid for asking it. No offense.
0: <laughs> no, I, I, I feel legitimately stupid, and I grew up <laughs> going to bar mitzvahs and stuff like that as a that's kid. That's the way. That's I the way it is. Yeah, that,
2: it. yeah, that's the way it is. It's just, it's just a religious thing, which is which is funny because like Judaism is sort of like not like that. Like we don't really talk about. It's different, but yes, um, yeah, that's that's why Jeff with the G, yeah.
0: Jeff, this has been great, man. Uh, Everyone go check out the Big Boys Club. Uh, Best of luck with everything that you've got going on. Great content, man. Appreciate it. Take care. What's my destiny, Mom?
1: You're going to have to figure that out for yourself. Life is a box of chocolates for us. You never know what you're going to get.
0: Figuring out Nashville. Um, I wanna preface this by saying neither of us are Nashville experts by any stretch. I would consider us Nashville novices, Mm -hmm. uh, if you will. But we did both spend a weekend in Nashville in the month of April, you for a Garth concert, me for being a cheerleader and a half marathon. Um, Will, overall, did Nashville surpass, meet, or fall short of your expectations?
1: Um, I think it like met two surpassed it. I think people were super duper nice there, which like for a major city is a little bit like wild for me, very Southern, very hospitable, pretty, pretty cool place. Got some boots. Can't complain.
0: Oh, boots are not cheap, man. Mm-hmm. Really, really expensive. The first time I remember being in like a, a true boot store was in Nebraska and seeing some of the prices. I was like, are you kidding me? This is, this is for real. We, we need to talk about more about how like a good pair of boots is, is several hundreds of dollars. Yes. Not just like oh I'm gonna buy this 80 dollar pair of boots Cowboy stuff man it's no joke you got you gotta have you gotta have have some dollars you know you gotta I'm not saying you gotta be like you know one percent to for that stuff but man some of that's just like it's it's real steep uh and Nashville itself is I mean pretty expensive town I would say Airbnb market mm-hmm. is insane could did you stay did you stay like downtown a hotel airbnb like what was your situation yeah we' were there? at the we were at a hotel downtown It's, man, like, I don't know if it, for for us, I don't know how much of it was related to it being... The weekend of the half marathon, we're in tens right, of thousands that's of probably people were
1: there. Of, yeah, traffic flow like, not great on marathon.
0: Yeah, no, it wasn't. Um, we, I mean, we booked like several months out and Airbnb, and we were basically staying like right off of Church Street, so we were like pretty close to downtown, and we wanted to be because we we're, you know, everything that we were doing was there, and didn't want to necessarily stay like a half hour away and have to commute and do that whole deal or rent a car or whatever. I mean, we wouldn't have had to rent a car; when my brother was driving. But you get know what I'm saying. Like, we just kind of wanted to be in the heart of it and look like, I I don't know about you. I kind of went into it with a little bit of an open mind in that, you know, kind of what Nashville is about these days. It's very different compared to the lone time. I was in downtown Nashville as a high school senior or as a high school junior in like 2006 or 2007. I I can't remember when that was, but
1: Those um, those are the Vince young years
0: dude they they were i think he was a rookie i want to say he was a rookie one yeah because he got drafted in 2006 and the town was just so different so so different like I, i i came into this knowing that i would like a lot of elements of nashville i mean that's if you like country music and you know like a you know a downtown that's got a lot of different things to offer i love that nashville has identity i think that's so cool like everywhere you go you're reminded of of the music and everybody always talks about how one of the cool things about nashville is that you see live music pretty much any bar you go to yeah i mean kind of no matter where you're at which sometimes is really good and then other times you're kind of like, ah, oh, this person's not great and I wish they would turn on the volume a little bit so I can hear, you know, I can hear the person of my party talking to me and having a conversation. But
1: Connor's kind of uh, just heckling the live musicians. Um, <laughs> I will say really quick, we, we've talked about Shit's Creek before in the show. The plot okay. device of Rose Apothecary is like so perfect just in life and there are lots of show like shops like that that have popped up in Nashville. Whenever you're oh, talking yeah. about like the uh, the prices of boots and stuff it's very funny because you could go pay, like you said, $80 from Crappy Boots or whatever, or you can go to one of these like little Rose Apothecary like boutique stores and boots are yeah, like 500 bucks and you're just like, what type of cowboy? Hold on.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, this, I am priced out of this market probably right, right now for, for what these would get actual use for. Um, but yeah, I, I would say my expectations were, were met and we, we had a really quick trip. I need to go to Nashville for a longer weekend. I know everybody kind of says like, you should be there for, you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit like Vegas and that way do it for a weekend and anything more than that. You're kind of just like, all right, I, I've kind of had enough of this, but we were there for 40 hours, I think because of our change of flight on Sunday, we didn't even get Sunday. We were flying out like Sunday morning. Did uh, Tailgate Brewery on, on Friday for dinner, drinks and whatnot. Uh, and then Pinewood Social as well on Friday nights. Nice low key night before the race. You know, couldn't do anything where we were like out on Broadway until 2 in the morning mm-hmm. when they had to wake up at 5.30 for this for this half marathon and whatnot. Uh, but Saturday after the race, we, we had ourselves a full night. We hit uh, we hit Hattie B's after the race. Oh, you know, yeah. There are going to be people in the Facebook group who are not going to necessarily say that Hattie B's is the best option and Prince is better or whatever. Hattie B's was delicious. I'm not going to hate. Mm-hmm. Um, so not the best hot chicken I've ever had, though definitely the best hot chicken I've ever had is is in Orlando and people are going to laugh at that Damn. until you've had chicken fire and chicken there's going to be like, <laughs> I'm telling you what, there will be more people who understand the greatness of chicken fire than the, um, the Mario Hazonia reference. <laughs> Fair, okay. I think there will be, not by many, but I think like maybe eight people will know the greatness of Chicken Fire. I think Chicken Fire is better than Hattie B's in my opinion, it's a little bit different. They don't do the bone-in in and the way that Hattie B's does, but still delicious, great post-race meal. And then we did a nap and then a po- um, we did Patterson House. Mm-hmm. Um, really, really cool place, like this speakeasy, like kind of a cool adult place, get to cocktails, like, Know, very like kind of an intimate sort of setting, great way to kind of kick off the night. We hit the stage, which is on Broadway. Mm-hmm. And then we went to Martin's for kind of like dinner, live music, drinks, all that kind of combined into one. And then we hit pins after that as well, which is like basically like downtown Dave and Buster's mm-hmm. somewhat, um, but cool sort of place. So we, we hit a lot of different spots while we were there in a, vi- in a very, very short amount of time and i i found myself saying afterwards and I'm, I'm curious if you had this same this same thought kind of leading the weekend I was like i feel like there's at least six or seven other places that i would like to still hit in nashville that i just didn't have time to be able to get to
1: oh yeah we um we got really lucky because i have two friends i actually moved up there after college and uh they both get well my one buddy tl you would love tl huge baseball fan just really cool guy tl tl yeah um, okay. Yeah, okay. his name, his name went uh, aged poorly now that everyone calls everything on the TL, but he actually just posts pictures of things on him. He's a very funny guy, and so oh, nice. uh, I like that. Yeah. So yeah, he's very funny, and so shout out to him. He told me about this place, uh, this, like local called like Dinos. It's like a really late night, like hole in the wall type of like diner place. And that place was chaos, but it was like the oh, best yeah. food I've ever gotten. It was at, like one, not the best, but it was like upper tier. It was like one or two a.m., and there was like you know they serve alcohol and everything. There were people like getting rowdy. It was a tiny place. It took us forty five minutes to get our food. We and were pretty starving. It came out, and we were like oh man, this is exactly what we hoped it would be. Yeah. Like those little spots that you know the food's gonna be fire It was one of those. So shout out them and shout out TL for like, it's always nice to have a local a place like Nashville. I'm like the same way if you're you know, coming to Atlanta and stuff because there's like the stuff like the tourist you have and you want to hit you know one or two that you're like, oh, I would never have found this, you know?
0: yeah the the whole the hole in the wall type places in nashville i think are getting tougher and tougher to exist in that capacity Mm -hmm. it's just not not an easy place to to not kind of be mainstream because there's just so much building going on and there's the, the way that downtown continues to kind of expand is just like It's, I mean, it's truly unbelievable and real estate prices and whatnot are are just through the roof right now. Um, One of Lauren's best friends, one of her bridesmaids has a house that's like pretty close to the airport in Nashville Mm -hmm. and they have the same attitude that about like downtown and whatnot and Broadway that we have about like the Disney area. Yep, I know exactly (laughs) what you're talking about, yep. (laughs) Like if you live in like a very tourist heavy, type area like that when someone hits you up and says, oh, I'm gonna be in town. I'm gonna be doing this, this, and this downtown. And they're like, great, <laughs> maybe we'll see done. you. Yeah. yeah, like, sorry, anybody that calls me in the future and tells me I'm gonna be in Orlando, oh, by the way, I'm gonna be at Disney Springs, come meet me there. It's a hard no for me. It yeah, just sure, buddy. Is. I'll spend
1: two hours on iDrive. I love you that much, for sure. <laughs>
0: if I am coming to see you at a place on iDrive, that says a lot about our relationship. We are blood that relatives, says, or podcasts.
1: There's something at <laughs> We're we're
0: blood relatives. I, Will, I don't even know if I'd come see you on iDrive, man. <laughs> I'll be 100. This is chaos, man. Dude, like we had, we had a 50 dollars gift card to Chewie's on iDrive, and Lauren and I put it off, put it off, put it off, put it off. We went there, had a fantastic meal for free, and still sat on the car ride home. Was this worth it? <laughs> And that's, that's the, uh, the Orlando shape. If you guys
1: ever need Orlando Rex, we're actually both great at that. But yeah. Um, oh, Connor, did you try to take a picture with the wings in Nashville?
0: I didn't <laughs> No, but I should have. Dude, that
1: line. Oh my goodness, dude. It was like a hundred people long. We would buy it. And like, I was with my family who were all older and they were just like, what are these kids doing? And we're like, don't worry. It's a thing.
0: Is that bigger on IG or TikTok?
1: Oh it's gotta be IG. That's an original yeah. IG like certified staple. Those little wing pictures, that's what made IG big.
0: It's such a smart idea though. Lauren jokes about that all the time. If she opened up a bar, it would just be the the, the Instagram bar or or like the TikTok bar or something like that. That's just every single place you look has a place where you can pose and do that stuff. That's not my thing at all. If you look at any of my social media channels, I don't do that. But from a business model, I, I, I think that would absolutely just crush it. Nashville's got places like that, but I think there's, there's always a market for, for something else. Um, all right, Facebook group. We asked, what is the best way to do Nashville? Have you been there for a bachelor slash bachelorette party, uh, party bus slash wagon, tractor, trolley, yaw yeah or nah, and then Nashville in general, overrated, underrated, or properly rated? Got some great responses in the Saturday Night South podcast Facebook group let's start with this one from Caleb Tillman Caleb says in my experience the best way to do Nashville is to go when your favorite football team is playing at Vanderbilt watch your team get a noon game win and then pick any small venue in town like the basement and go see whatever band is playing there you're bound to hear something good that none of your friends have ever heard of when Caleb when I when I first read that response I said to myself like so much I, that that's what I want. Like mm-hmm. I'm thinking of new ways to to come up with a perfect Saturday. As I get older, you're kind of always looking for those new things, those things in life that just kind of bring you joy. That isn't going to the craziest place all the time. That right there sounds like a perfect Saturday. Mm-hmm. That go, going to a little hole in the wall place where you can hear music with somebody that's, that's on the rise who maybe three, four years from now, you're going to look up and you're like, oh yeah. I remember hearing chris stapleton at this dive bar in in nashville that that sounds like a a fantastic day that i would fully be on board for that is a great way to do nashville i don't know if i personally will be doing nashville like that anytime soon it's tough to get the bosses to sign off on a saturday at bandy
1: i was about to say dude i would try to finesse (laughs) one saturday a year at sds because you know tickets Respectfully, are like two dollars. I've seen them. You can literally know. just be, or you could go as a media member, but the advantage really wouldn't be because you could just sit there like Harry Carey in the stands and just have the same, the same, just open air. Nobody's bothering you.
0: <laughs> we also had that. We had this idea a few years ago on SDS. Little peel behind the onion here to do, um, to do like a big story on Nashville that would be built around like Derek Mason's recruiting efforts there. This was mm-hmm. like a 2019 idea or something like that wherein we would go out to his favorite lunch place and then kind of like ride around Nashville with him. And that would be kind of a, kind of a feature type story that we would do. That would be probably the only way in which I can get the bosses to be like, Hey, go to Nashville for a story. (laughs) Let's, let's, uh, let's, let's, this is what we're going to do. This is what exactly what it's going to look like. But yeah, it's tough to be able to say, um, I need you to expense a trip to go watch Georgia against Vandy when this game's going to be over in the middle of the first quarter. Listen, can't you do
1: can't it. do that with Clark Lee really, though, because he'll take your driver's license at the beginning of the thing. But hey, son, you earn this back.
0: You answer some trivia
1: questions, and then we're good to go
0: here. All right? <laughs> he takes my media credential. He's like, "You got to earn this, buddy." Right. I need to see a full game story writing about this football team that actually makes sense for you to have earned your credential. What a kid! I need Vandy. <laughs> Look, I need Vandy to get good so I can actually justify this. Yes. That's what we need. Let's do it. Yeah, but we're Caleb, all
1: rooting for Vandy here. We want, we see the best version of Vandy and Vandy. And when you ride around Nashville to bring up the Vandy point, you really get a totally different sense that, like, you know what I'm saying, Vandy is a beautiful campus that is very beautiful. well-funded. And it's like we always like, joke about Vandy on here, but it's like, no, these dudes are ball <laughs> Like, let's, yeah. don't let their sports success take away from what they care about and what they're good at, which is educating people and stacking that paper. And they're great at both of those.
0: I didn't realize that Vandy, at Vandy, you live in dorms all four years, mm-hmm. had no idea. Yeah, you don't live in like off-campus housing or anything like that because we were, we were in, in that like that area. We didn't go through the campus and do like a whole tour or anything like that, but we, when we were at um, Tailgate, Tailgate Brewery, we were right by there and we were seeing Vandy students come out and whatnot, and I, I, I thought it was a great place. You know what also is sneaky underrated? Belmont. Yes. Belmont is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Holy cow. That's where we were stationed for, for holding up our signs during the half marathon. Belmont is gorgeous. I found myself saying, does Belmont need a bit of the SEC? They, <laughs> they look the part, man. you by yourself
1: on the sign <laughs> trying
0: to get Belmont in. I'll allow you to the SEC, Belmont. Uh, all right. Michael Dark says, I love Nashville. I can't imagine living there with all the annoying uh, bachelorette parties. Savannah nice. is a popular bachelorette destination. Uh, and we try to avoid downtown on the weekends because of how obnoxious they tend to be. Yep. If I lived there um, like Lawrence Lauren's friends do, I would have that same impression. I would avoid it at all costs. I would find all my, my spots kind of on the outskirts of downtown. I would bite the bullet every once in a while. If I had a really good friend come through and they wanted to see it and you wanted to kind of show them around a little bit, but it's gotta be a really good friend. It's gotta be a really good friend because otherwise, I mean, look, I've heard of very sane people driven to extreme lengths dealing with people on the streets in Nashville. Okay kind of leave it at that. We don't need to get into that story, mm-hmm. but it was not me. It was not me, it was not my brother, but just somebody I know who was was very much enraged by a situation that unfolded driving through Nashville. Um, yeah, that that that's always gonna have to be something you think about too. That's kind of the frustrating thing. If it's colder or something like that, if it's January, much like how we love going to the theme parks in December and January, that's probably the, your time to hit downtown if you live there.
1: That's facts. Yeah, I mean, going to the, like, going to the uh, theme parks is like a gamble because you might get a cold day where you know you dress, you're ready to go, and you you end up just getting your nipples really cold on, on a roller coaster, and that's the worst.
0: Dude, I love <laughs> I love a cold day at the theme parks. It is serious? the absolute best. Give me and, and I say cold, relatively speaking. Yeah, like when we're fifty. Talking in Central Florida. Florida. I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, Give me give me fifty degrees and a quarter zip at a theme park, and that's a beautiful day. That's
1: actually every fair. as long as you're dressed. I'll take yeah, that it's all
0: day. All good. Yep. Uh, we got a lot more here. I don't know if we're going to get to all these, but this one's good too. Uh, Jeff Jensen says Nashville is best done on a long weekend. Mm-hmm. Think Thursday to Sunday or Friday to Monday. You don't need a party bus or trolley. Bar crawling on Broadway is the best with all the live music. Preds are in town. It's worth it to go. Bridgestone is an amazing venue. As far as hot chicken goes, Prince, Prince, Prince's is way better than Hattie B's, but also give Patterson House a look. I did. Uh, Classy speakeasy with top-notch cocktails. Confirmed. Great cocktails. If you're willing to spend a little bit more on a cocktail that's like you you can go to some places, My, my brother put this best. He's like, there are places you go to where you get a $12 cocktail and you're like, this sucks. Why, why did why did I do that? Place like this you go and you you see the process of like how they make the drinks. They like make the drink in front of you as well. And it's like it's it's a little bit of a show, but the cocktail itself is like this is delicious, and it kind of packs a punch too. You know, two beer, Connor was, <laughs> two beer, Connor was feeling it after after Patterson House. They uh, they do not skimp on on the bourbon there. It was it was great though. It was a good time. Um, yeah, bar crawling on Broadway. I have never seen anything like that. Mm-hmm. Maybe with the exception of Times Square. That's the only thing I could I can compare it to in terms of a downtown that was just at a different level. I mean, just crowded where there's no real space to walk And I, I don't know how much of that was because it was the first real like hot kind of nice weekend where everybody wanted to be outside Saturday night, half marathon crowd also in town. But based on everything I've ever heard about Broadway, it's just kind of always like that. Mm-hmm. Um, having seen that, and now thinking back to the NFL draft a few years ago when it was in Nashville and the Bachelorette party, because they closed Broadway, didn't they? Like, yep. They, there they there were so many
1: stories about mad bachelorettes who had their stuff booked. Yeah. That,
0: that that to me is just like, it's so hard to picture that street closed because of how crazy it is. But it, it speaks to the magnitude and the enormity of the NFL draft, popular subject as we're talking about this right now. Um, but I, I, I was like... I, I was shocked. I thought I knew kind of what to expect from a visualization standpoint, and it like it, it blew me away with how crowded it is. Every single place is just packed to the brim. We hit when we hit uh, the stage. We just we wanted to go to, and I I don't say that like literally. We like went up on a stage. Right. I mean like the the, pla- stage, yeah. the the bar called the stage, which is actually kind of set up like uh, this is another Orlando thing. Have you ever been to Latitudes downtown yeah. Orlando? Oh yeah, the yeah. three
1: level bar. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, three level bar, they got the rooftop bar up there. I love me a rooftop bar. That's to me, if you can be outside in great weather, rooftop bar, live music, heart of downtown, that's like, that's all I need. That uh, That's that's to me like the best kind of downtown experience where you just kind of want to freeze time. Mm-hmm. The, the the artist who was, who was playing live music there, Hit on uh, a little heartache on the, on the dance floor a little john party for me
2: mm-hmm. not
0: specifically for me but i thought to myself in that moment you know my wife and you know with my brother or sister-in-law there i was like i wish i could just kind of freeze time right now you know mm-hmm. one of those moments um that's yeah that's it's a great be, spot to i mean
1: be. at least top five maybe best in america place to be as ron wright used to say drunk in public because everything is nice <laughs> down there. It's a nice atmosphere. And like, there's nothing better when you're, you know, you know going past, you know, three beers where live music, right? And you go and you're like, I like this song. I don't like this song. I like this song. And you can almost, it's like going, like searching the radio. It's like, ah, this guy's playing some old like sixties. Yeah. Like I'll come back to that. Let me try this place. And like, it's just, you're having a grand old time, you know?
0: Cause it's not cover for each place either. Mm -hmm. I don't think at least not, not what I experienced. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong about that. Again, Nashville novice here, we were paying cover on a Saturday night. So I don't know if that's, if if that changes at all or anything like that. And we didn't stay like late into the night. I don't, I'm probably not, not the type of type of person that's going to be at Broadway until one in the morning. Mm -hmm. That's just not, I think I'm past that point in my life. Um, Maybe maybe like up to age 24, 25, that would have been me. But that, that wasn't really our vibe, but it was still like really cool to be to be there to kind of get that experience. A few places that we wanted to go to, because we were right across the street from uh, Alan Jackson's Bar. We had initially planned to go to Dirk's Bentley's Bar. Dirk Bentley's, Dirk's Bentley's Bar. That's a mouthful. Yeah, it Goodness. really is. Dirk's Bentley's Bar. But uh, didn't end up making it over there. Uh, but still, like I said, so many places that I wish we could have hit and weren't, weren't able to. Have to be a, another time in the future. Let's go to this one from Alex Mitchell. Says the best way to do it is save your money and go to a small beach town instead. Um, Sunday, we're going to New Smyrna oh, here yeah. in Central Florida. My favorite local beach. Favorite, favorite beach in Florida is, is still Clearwater Beach. That's... That takes the cake for me. But it'll Probably be interesting it contrast. Pensacola,
1: But that's all right. Is Pensacola the best? Have you been Have you been to, like, the Pensacola beaches?
0: No, Dude. I haven't.
1: So it's totally different on the coast of Florida. Floridians might disagree with me, whatever. My dad... I grew up with my dad in Pensacola. He lived there for my parents. But that beach is immaculate. It's got the whitest sand, nicest... people. There's not a ton going on in Pensacola because it's a, it's a um, naval-based town. So, like, if you want, like kind of like it's very stereotypical nightlife like beach bars stuff like that but it is the prettiest ocean the prettiest sand because it's a different ocean than the one that you're going to on the east coast
0: yeah that's true that's true and and i'm i I, if we're being 100% honest like i I slightly prefer the gulf side anyways Mm -hmm. so i'm not necessarily indiscriminate like daytona was not really my thing as much we we pretty much only only on the east coast we're only going to new smyrna oh yeah for the for the most part unless Uh you know we haven't we haven't taken like a trip down to Fort Lauderdale together like to go to a beach type vacation or whatnot, but Clearwater, Dunedin that's that's pretty much our, our main go to um, on the Gulf side. But it'll be interesting to kind of compare and contrast because Sunday after the draft like that's that's what we like to do. We like to just have that relaxing day. It's kind of especially after three hectic days of of work and whatnot. Mm-hmm. It's kind of nice to be able to wind down by doing that. We just got a new beach tent, so I'll, yeah, I'll compare man. it. Post pics yeah. bro. Have a great time. Yeah. Oh, I mean, come on, if if it doesn't make the IG, did you really do it?
1: This is kind of a gram we're talking about, all right? Come on. You just came up with
0: that, didn't you? Yeah. (laughs) Joshua Moore says, me and my wife have only been a handful of times, so we don't know a best way or anything of bachelorette, uh, bachelor parties, or any of the rides down down Broadway, but the times we have been, it was for the food, watching people act a fool and the historical stuff, which is really fun to do. So I think Nashville is properly rated with all the stuff to do. A lot of different stuff to do. Mm-hmm. Pro sports town, live music, great food. I mean, that's that's the Connor trifecta right there. Oh yeah. Look, I, I've seen more of these party bus, wagon, trolley. I've seen more of these things that I could count. I didn't realize they, they had Humvees for this. They have tractors that pull entire bachelor, bachelorette parties. Mm-hmm. Had no idea how crazy that was until actually seeing this. It looks on the outside like, wow, that's so touristy, kind of not really my thing. I guarantee it was awesome. Mm-hmm. I, I bet it would be a lot of fun. And I, I'm not even the woo girl type. I'm not a, I'm not <laughs> a woo to guy. I bring up
1: woo girls. I thought you'd ding me for that one. That is a great nope. reference.
0: Nope. Uh, that's not even particularly me. But I would. I, I bet I would have a great time. You get you get the right music going, right time of the night, and it's it's a unique experience. In the same way that going on a boat and having a few beers is a blast, this would be like that. That's that might be a controversial take. I and I'm saying I, that I would be pro that if I were if I were on it if I were invited. Like if I were invited to a bachelor party on one of those, I would not turn that down. Right. Like yeah, let's let's, let's do it. Do a lot of this. I'm not Yeah. <laughs> now. This is a non-visual medium. I'm sorry. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everybody listening to this is like, "Do a little bit of this. What what are you talking about, Will?" <laughs> yeah, but I think it'd be a great time. I would definitely do that. Uh, Let's go to this one from Alex Chance. Alex says, I went for a bachelor party and sadly I don't remember much of it because all the rest of the group wanted to do was bar hop. We did not get a party bus or anything like that. We Ubered downtown and then walked everywhere. I remember Broadway smelling horrible and then watching the cleanup crew come in hosing the streets down when everything shut down at night. That was a sight to see. I love that there was live music almost every place you went to. I would like to go back for just a normal visit and enjoy some of the other stuff the city has to offer. I'd love to go to, I'd love to go to a Preds game. Absolutely love it. That'd be fun. I don't think I'd wear a Blackhawks jersey, but I can't definitively say that I wouldn't wear a Blackhawks jersey. It'd be a great time though. Mm-hmm. I, the, seeing seeing like that that venue and that arena, yes, looks like an awesome place to, to catch a sporting event. I love when there are places like that um, when you, you don't think Nashville hockey town, USA or anything like that, things that have just kind of formed in the last 15 years or something, mm-hmm. 21st century franchises that have just kind of taken it and run with it. Um, going to a soccer game in Atlanta would be awesome. Yep. You know, Done that, stuff like
1: time. Yep. That, that's yeah. actually a really great, allegory. obviously it shows a little bit bigger, but you're right. I definitely want to go to a Preds game and I'm not a Preds or a hockey fan really. Yeah.
0: Yeah, some, some of those venues you just need to see. I would love to be able to get back and, and do something like that. Uh, Krista Kissinger says, love Nashville. My best friend and husband lived there. When I went, to, um, when, I went when LSU was playing Vandy, LSU hosted all the radio shows in a bar on Broadway, which was a blast. All the other coaches were there mingling with the fans. It was probably the best LSU road trip I've been on. Also, the best party bus I saw was the hot tub one. I didn't see that one. I just pictured Tom Haverford with the, the hot tub limo. Yes. That's,
1: dude, that would kill him in Nashville. If he had just moved from, from uh, Pawnee to Nashville, he would have been a millionaire, actually. That, he was just in the wrong location. Entertainment,
0: Entertainment 720 would have never died.
1: Yes. It would have been like a million dollar business in Nashville. That's, yeah.
0: I assume that somehow, some way, John Ralphio is a millionaire anyways, oh, and yeah. he figured things He's out. Kept,
1: oh, come on, you know how
0: good point great point <laughs> he wouldn't have even had to do crypto he could have just had that hot tub car mm-hmm. in nashville and it would have killed it it definitely would have what's the situation with that like is it is the entire thing hot tub i've i have a lot of questions because i i didn't see this one
1: we'll do a hot, the whole we'll do a hot tub follow-up i think there are a couple of them to be honest i've seen them with them in there but i've seen stuff that are just basically just a big old communal hot tub man
0: Like, can you get out? Can you can you dry off? Do I have to be in the hot tub the whole time? (laughs) I think you pretty much have to be in the hot tub for most of (laughs) them. Yeah. It's not like oh, I can like you know step off it, go dry off for a little bit, and then maybe come back in later. Maybe it's a little bit of a chillier night. You know, Mm -hmm. you kind of get a little bit colder. Then you go back into the hot tub. I need to know logistics before I sign up for something like that.
1: Right. That's fair. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Dancing's limited too. Can you really dance in a hot tub? I don't know.
1: Same dance. Just.
0: Just this pumping the whole yeah, time. just That's this bumping all it. night long. <laughs> Kobe Black says, being a Memphis native, uh, eh, it's okay if you're into that sort of thing. Just wondering though, when was the Nashville hot chicken, uh, when did it become a thing? I grew up in Memphis, went to Nashville for many years, but it seems only in the past 15 or so years have I heard about this world-renowned delicacy. I honestly don't know because when I was there, I do not remember hearing about hot chicken at all. I don't. I don't really remember hearing about Hot Chicken until like the mid 2010s.
1: Yeah. Is that bad? Same. No, like, same. I, the first time I had had it was with C. Wright at S C Media Days. Like, yeah.
0: C. Wright, who is, by the way, um, our editor at Saturday Night South. Hot Chicken he has
1: aficionado. He's
0: spreading the gospel of Hot Chicken each day he walks on this earth. C. Wright has hopped on a plane strictly for Hattie Bees. Oh, Yes. I I kid you not. He has flown to Atlanta for Hattie B's. I believe he has also flown to Nashville for Hattie B's. I'm like, Oh, where are you going for? You just going for like, you know, going for a weekend or something. You got people you want to see. He's like, nope, just going for Hattie B's.
1: I love him. I'm like, what? What You're
0: going for food. All right, (laughs) man. That's Um, for him. That's a perfect Saturday. And that's, that's great. It is. It is. Nothing gets C right. More excited than Hattie B's. Nothing. Like I texted him right before we were going, I'm like, best order is, is what? And he said sandwich and tenders on the side, mm-hmm. which, look, that's, that's kind of my go-to at Chick-fil-A. You know, grilled chicken sandwich, give me some grilled nuggets on the side, mm-hmm. just grilled, grilled chicken on grilled chicken. Um, I actually went three bone-in wings. I don't mm-hmm. know if that makes me a snob, if that makes me a weirdo. I've had the tenders. Tender's really good. Wanted to try the bone-in. Didn't want to find myself comparing it to chicken fire the entire time. Wanted to treat it as its own thing. And it's spicy, but it's not like, it's not unbearable. I've heard like, like the real, like the OG hot chicken places are like, you can barely even eat them. Like mild is insane, which why do, people, why do you need to do that? You know, yeah. what, are, what are you trying to prove?
1: Also, this uh, person brings up growing up in Memphis. One thing I learned about Tennessee and you know, the biggest cities in Tennessee, um, Nashville, Memphis, Knoxville. And I don't know if you'll find two more different cities in the same state than Nashville and Memphis. Uh, Dirk Bentley versus Young Dolph. I mean, it's just like completely, (laughs) I love both cities and I love Tennesseans because they're just kind of with all of it. You know what I'm saying? It's a very like cool diverse state. And I really, the scenery is beautiful. Like people in Tennessee that are like, I I hate to give them credit, but the people that are snobs about being from Tennessee, you got a point. It's beautiful up there.
0: (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Uh, let's do uh, a couple more here. This one from Matthew Sedro. He said, went for my own bachelor trip, had great food, played great golf, got carried out of a bar, properly rated town would go again. (laughs) Matthew Sedro doesn't come off like the type of guy who would get carried out of a bar. So I'm just going to say that Nashville got the best of him, which, you know, I can't say that it wouldn't get the best of me at that point in my life. Had we gone there for my bachelor party when I was, God, how old was I? I was 25. Mm Mm-hmm. I I wouldn't put it past me. You just I, I mean,
1: passed out in the hot tub limo. <laughs> just floating yeah, like,
0: all the way back to the hotel. Look, hall. two beer be Connor would cut it cut it loose at his bachelor party. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that that was that was happening no matter what. We had we had my bachelor party in in downtown Orlando. It was a great time. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that it was six years ago makes me feel extremely old. Don't like thinking about that. But yeah, uh, the fact that you were still able to come away with a positive impression of a place that you got carried out of a bar and it wasn't just all about the hangover. That tells you a lot about Nashville. Thanks. Good place. Uh, let's, let's end with this one. And thank you to those who sent responses. Tyler Lynn, uh, David Kozar Daniel Priest as well. Uh, let's end with this one from Zachary Warden. Uh, Zachary said grew up in Nashville still unsure why we blew up in the 2010s that being said War Memorial Auditorium is great also any concert at Ascend is fantastic when the Preds are playing downtown is a madhouse and can be great fun but parking is a nightmare yep I can totally see that we drove around Bridgestone Arena at like around the convention center because we had to drop off our wives so that they could like their race bibs and packets and whatnot we like there, there was no parking. We, we eventually found a spot, but like, if there was any event going on here, I, I just don't know what you would do because I don't want to pay twenty dollars for, for an hour. But whatever. Um. Anyway, where were we? Uh. Go to Prince's for hot chicken, not Hattie Peace. At least Helen's hot chicken on Jefferson or Bolton's hot chicken and. Um, or Bolton's Hot Chicken and Fish. For the love of God, keep them bird scooters off the main roads. <laughs> and, and pedal taverns annoy locals to no end. Mm-hmm. Yep, I can see that. I can totally see that. Have you been on one of those scooters before? Oh, uh,
1: buddy. <laughs> one of my first dates of videos on one of those scooters, and I got a mouthful oh, no. that wouldn't turn on, but I was trying to be cool. So I wasn't like, hey, My scooter's broken because there wasn't another scooter. So I was just like angrily like pushing my broken scooter uphill. And Brittany was like, why are you so bad at this? I was like, I don't know. I think my scooter's broken. I was like sweating. It was horrible. Oh,
0: God. Those things are death traps. Mm -hmm. I won't do it. There There are three things that I don't think I'll ever get back on for the rest of my life. And I'll have no problem whatsoever. One is those scooters right there. Don't need that. Don't need that. Mm-mm. I, I like my two front teeth. I'd like to keep them. Yep. Okay. Other trampolines. Not happening. Mm-mm. Nope. I don't need a ruptured spleen. I, I like my one spleen. One more
1: trampoline injury in me. When I have kids, I'm ready. I'm-
0: <laughs> I, I will say nope. This is not going to be the, our lifestyle. I don't care how big our backyard is. I don't care how much room we have for that, and how much exercise you would get. You will find another form of exercise that is not getting on that trampoline. Mm-hmm. Nope, not gonna happen. And then the last one, this is gonna make me sound like a beta. I realize this, I don't need to get on a motorcycle. I just don't. Passenger, rider, that doesn't really do it for me. I I, I, I grew up with a father who said, if you hit one rock, you're done. Right which I realize that's not true. And that's, there are, there are much safer ways to, to be able to get from point A to point B with a motorcycle. I get, I get that. Those three things though, I'm like, nope. And I think I've passed the point in my life where that temptation would have been there. Mm-hmm. Like for example, I was at, um, I was at my best friend's bachelor party in downtown Milwaukee three years ago, August Milwaukee is underrated fantastic place right on the water right there. Went to a brewery all day. I kid you not, like, cause there's, there's bars and stuff like that. There's bars and breweries everywhere. It's great downtown. Um, I love it when a sports stadium is centrally located, Deer District. Shout out to the Deer District. Um, But we're were at a brewery right on the water right there. And you know we're we're having a good time. It was probably like three or four o'clock in the afternoon. We've probably been drinking since, I don't know, noon or something like that. So not like incredibly long. We're not, you know, stumbling or anything like that. But we're like, oh, Ubers are, you know, we don't, Ubers are like a 25 minute wait right now. Mm-hmm. Do we want to do that? There are these like six scooters sitting right here that we could easily just get on and hop back two miles back to the hotel. And even, two miles. you know, I was, yeah, like <laughs> yes. two miles. Which, exactly, it's, it's too long to walk. Right. But you're like, ah, maybe I can get away with it. Maybe I can get away with it. Right. And I said, no, I can't. I'm not. I'm, I'm not doing that. I'm just not. Like, I don't, I don't have enough confidence in my ability on those things. Look, I'm not shaming anybody who does, if you've been able to do it, more power to you. I've heard too many horror stories, lost teeth. All right. Like I just, I can't, I can't do it. I don't have the courage to get on one of those things, especially when those are my first reps. If I was, if I had been able to get some reps, maybe it's different. You take me around the block. you, You get me a little bit comfortable with that. In no other scenario do you get on something like that for the first time that you have no experience with. It's different than running a car and figuring out how to drive a, a, a Dodge Neon, all right? You know, it's different than. <laughs> it's just a totally different experience.
1: Listen, and I'm not on board with to it. Something. So I'm 100% there with it. Right. You. I would be like, I know I'm bad at this. Let's see how bad I could get. Oh, um, I will say really quick on the parking thing. My mom, you know, my mom, just consummate baller. rented a party bus for the Garth
0: Brooks concert. She, and we were she barking, did. Like, out, yeah,
1: we were parking like outside, and she Where was like. We waited a half hour to tell
0: me that in the park. What's up? You waited a half hour to tell me that your mom rented a party bus for Garth Brooks. Yeah,
1: I didn't, I didn't want to like bigly, but they're talking about it in here because of, <laughs> of the parking situation. Literally, we walked out, and our party bus was there. And I was like, "Thank you, mom. I'm I've been broke for too long. I don't I don't know how this works." I was like, and we literally missed all the driving. and got back in like fifteen minutes. I was like, "That is such a vet move. I'm gonna remember how that went down because there's an embarrassing amount of money I would pay to be in that situation again. Leaving like even like a Saints game, just to be honest.
0: Yes. Worth it. Very, very expensive, but easy for me to say worth it. If somebody else is paying for it, totally worth oh,
1: it. Oh, we'll, well, all the boys will throw it down next time. Oh, yeah. it can't be that bad because we're, we're getting a giant Uber and getting stuck in traffic for an hour anyway. So it's going to be a $100 Uber minimum. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Good point. Great point. Uh, thank you to everybody who submitted responses in the Saturday Down South podcast Facebook group. A little housekeeping. So starting next week, we are going back to one podcast a week until media days, which is only like ten weeks from now. I know, crazy. Mm-hmm. I I think that time is going to absolutely fly by. But I did want to say thank you because we basically hit midseason numbers in the month of April. Yeah, and it has been so rewarding to sit back and watch that like these num these listeners have not dipped off in in these last couple months at all despite the fact that, that games have ended and we get into the what what is called the off season. It's just, just been up awesome sharing, to
1: catch. You guys are still yeah. here. It's crazy. <laughs> Thank you.
0: You guys haven't hit that unsubscribe button. So really, really appreciate that. And in all seriousness, fired up about the future. We're gonna do some really fun things. Maybe do some different things with some interviews, want to try out some new ideas that I think everybody will really enjoy. So tell a friend, tell a coworker, tell a stranger on the street, tell whoever to subscribe Play parents to subscribe. I don't know. But leave us a five star view if you have not already done so. Join the Facebook group. Your name red on air with Figure It Out or Bold and Brash. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the draft. Talk soon.